0: for free and every order for a year. Plus get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The end of the year is a really
1: important time to get our finances in order, mainly because This is the time of year we tend to overspend, whether it's on buying gifts, eating out, entertaining. Our wallet is hit hard at the end of the year. And so it's a great time to really get focused on where is your money going and where should it be going.
2: You're listening to Millennial Money with award winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week,
0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, head on over to Apple Podcasts or the link in the show notes to leave the show a five-star review. And in that review, tell me your best money-saving tip that you have. I'm going to be highlighting a few of these reviews throughout the month as just a personal thank you. And all the reviews really help out the show. So thank you so much for just taking it Just a little minute out of your time to go over and give us some love. Well, we're almost at the end of the year, and this is always a time we are super focused on our money. While the beginning of the year is a great time to really jumpstart your money and your goals, I don't want to forget about the end of the year because this can be a great time to just take advantage of last minute planning. And our guest. Autumn Lacks. She is a certified financial planner. She's a wealth management specialist with Drucker Wealth Management, and she's here sharing a few of her best tips for year-end planning with your money. We talk about how to do an annual budget planning session, why you might want to harvest some of your tax losses, how to maximize your benefits before the year ends, and what to do to set yourself up money-wise for a brand new year. You can use this episode as your year-end money guide and do a little DIY money planning before the clock hits January 1st. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and I'm so excited to bring you this conversation. Here we go. Autumn, I am so, so excited to have you join us on the podcast and talk all about year-end money planning. So thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm excited.
0: So before we jump into year-end money planning, I I would love to just hear your thoughts about what you think maybe some of the biggest money takeaways have been thus far for 2021. Is there anything that's really sort of popped out this year? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you
1: bring that up because I would say confidently 100% of the clients I've worked with this year have found that they are spending a ton of money dining out that has been a huge (laughs) aha moment and I think it's really indicative of you know sort of the pandemic lifestyle and just everything we've been going through the last few years but that's a big money suckage for a lot of people
0: yeah and it it I, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of it myself this year as well. I think it's like we felt like we couldn't eat out at all for a year or depending on where you live. I I lived in Los Angeles at the time. So we definitely, I think it was a good like 18 months mm-hmm. <laughs> before we could, we could really dine out or dine in a restaurant. So, you know, it felt like the one luxury we could kind of, or the one sense of normalcy, I guess we could kind of bring back into our life. But it's definitely easy to overspend without even really consciously being aware that you're that you're overspending. It's
1: so true. And, you know, it's so convenient nowadays to just um, have your, you know, food delivery on some sort of auto schedule or, um, you know, not really pay attention to how much is going on the credit card. And just I, I hear a lot of clients say that their relationship with money is more, focused on I take a chunk of money every now and then and pay off you know debt or I take a chunk of money when I have it and dump it into savings and there's no real purpose around it and I think that mindset um also allows us to get out of control with spending a little bit
0: yeah I love that you talk about mindset it's one of my kind of core principles that I love to talk about on this show and kind of along those lines I find that at the end of the year This is often a time where we're reflecting, maybe slowing down, and then it feels like the moment January 1 hits, our minds go into just complete overdrive and we start to set ourselves up for success. But there's kind of these two big swings. I wonder if you have any suggestions or ways to maybe gently combine both. So we feel like we're moving out of the year. We're setting ourselves up great. But then when we hit beginning of January, maybe it doesn't have to feel so... I don't know what the word is. It's like we feel like we have to have this complete energy boost towards our finances. Yeah,
1: it's so true. And there's often a lot of guilt that's associated with that beginning of a new year feeling of I need to now get myself into shape. And I think one of the ways that we can mitigate that at year end is really a, with a budget. And I know that's not a sexy word, but. I I'm a huge fan of budgeting, and at the firm I work with, Drucker Wealth, we actually have all of our clients who do a financial life plan with us go through a budget exercise because it brings a lot of awareness to where money is going, and then with that awareness, you can start to really drill down on what should I be doing with my money, where is it going now, and where should it be going, and then how much can I allocate to all the different buckets? And the end of year is such a great time if you don't have a budget to get one in place because you have the whole year to look back on, to reflect on and to really sort of average out, you know, a a truer picture of what your spending has looked like. And then it's a great way to set yourself up for that new year so that you're not going into you know, January one feeling like, oh my gosh, I have so much ground now to make up for.
0: And are there easy, I use that in air quotes, easy ways to approach budgeting because so many people obviously hate the word budgeting. Maybe it hasn't worked for them in the past, or maybe they just didn't even know what they're doing or what they're looking for. So are there, are there suggestions of how to go through this budget planning process in a way that feels maybe a little less stressful and and maybe makes a little more sense as to why we're doing it? Sure. I would say starting off, don't feel like doing a budget means that you
1: have to account for every single penny, because I think that can in itself be very overwhelming. I would really look at the budget as more, again, going back to that word awareness, just uh, having an idea of where money is going and, and looking at it and paying attention to it is sometimes the biggest step in the process. But to make it easy, I would suggest, and I tell a lot of my clients to do this, um, go through the last three months of either your credit card spending or bank statements, wherever you're putting the the majority of your um, money and just average it out. So There are a lot of different tools out there that you can use from Excel spreadsheets to um, PDF documents that are fillable. And that works for some. It's overwhelming for others. But (laughs) I think if you just go through the actual statements um, and look at what you're spending and look at each category, where is the money going? That's the best first step.
0: So once you sort of have that awareness piece of where all the money is going, Are you looking for patterns or trends or maybe some things that stick out at you where you're thinking, ah, maybe I could do that a little bit better?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there are certain expenses that we just can't trim. And there are others that we definitely have more control over. And I think having the budget in place allows us to see what those different categories are and then to really hone in on the ones that we have more control over and the ones that we can sort of trim back. And um, and then, you know, the ultimate goal is really sort of determining your capacity to save and what, what truly is available to put towards maybe more purposeful spending, whether that's adding to your retirement account, um, increasing a taxable savings, paying off debt, just knowing that you can focus your money in areas that are going to move you forward in life.
0: I really like that statement, uh, purposeful spending, uh, because I think that, I mean, we're all guilty of it, right? We spend money places and then we think, where did that money go? Or, or we get extra money at the end of the year, maybe we get a bonus. And then all of a sudden we look at our bank account and we're like, wait, where did that money go? And it's almost like you have this like moment of amnesia and you just mm-hmm. you can't even remember. It's so
1: true. And I'm guilty of it as well. I love to shop and um, I get it. You know, we're all human. And I do hear a lot of clients say those very words. I make a lot of money, but I don't have anything to show for it. And I don't know where it's going. So it's not like, oh, I bought this big thing. And I, I have, you know, something to look at to say that this is where my money went. Most of the time, we just don't know. It's kind of evaporating. And so when you can look at um, look at your budget, look at where money's going, and then start directing it into vehicles that are a little more tangible, um, I think that helps. And another thing that I'm a big fan of is automating savings because if you can automate the money going into different savings buckets or savings vehicles, then we don't have to consciously think about where to put it. And it's not in our bank account available to spend. It's just sort of on autopilot. Um, I think a lot of people work well with that method. It's sort of the mindset beh- behind our 401k. You just set it and forget it and the money goes. and. Um, I know that works well for me.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of automating. I even I automate paying my bills, anything I can automate where I have to take the guesswork out of it Mm -hmm. just seems to really work. So you brought up this idea of of savings buckets. I like this a lot. Tell me about what sort of saving buckets we should be focused on. Are there any guidelines for how much we should be saving? Yeah, so there are Three main
1: buckets that we focus on in our financial planning practice. And those buckets are really your now, your soon, and your later. And essentially, what that means is you have one bucket, the now bucket, that is your emergency cash reserves. And it's also planned expenses that you know are coming up in the si- next, say, six to 12 months. So, this is money that you want to have set aside and readily available and you don't really want it invested in the market you don't want it subject to um, fluctuations because you know that you need to spend it and the middle bucket which is your um, your soon bucket is more for five to ten years out so this is money that maybe you're saving for a down payment on a home or maybe you know you need a new car in a few years bigger expenses you want to save for, but you don't need to access it immediately. You can set aside money in that sort of bucket and you can stand to invest it. You want it to grow a little. You want that money to work for you and you don't need it right away. And then your last bucket is your retirement piece. And so that is the last money that you will ever touch you really want to earmark it for way down the line and not think about touching it until you actually stop working. And from an investment standpoint, you can stand to be a little bit more aggressive in the way that you invest that money and grow that money because it's not something you're going to touch tomorrow or even in the next two to three years.
0: I like that. I like that visualization of the different buckets and somehow that just makes it really easy to... To figure out what you're doing when. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, so talking about goals, we're rolling into a new year. It's kind of the time where we all sense some new goals or some new intentions. How do we incorporate uh, our goals into our budget? Mm-hmm. That's a really
1: good question. So um, first is really determining what your goals are. And I think the the new year, the start of a new year is a perfect time to do goal setting and to really just think about what is it that you want to achieve personally, financially. It's so different for every individual, but first outlining those goals, whether it's buying a house or just wanting to be, you know, on track for retirement is is a goal in itself. So sometimes a person might feel like, well, there isn't anything specific or tangible I'm trying to achieve, but I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right things, I'm taking the right steps now to put myself in, you know, set myself up for success later on. And with the buckets, you're sort of segmenting money for those different purposes and making sure that you have the money allocated, or that you're automating the money to start building for those needs. And it's easier to visualize, like you said, where money's going, what it's for, and um, when you should and shouldn't access it.
0: Mm, okay. I, I like that a lot. I think visualization with, with money in particular is really fantastic because there are so many acronyms and so much jargon that sometimes it's just really f- hard to figure out like what comes first? What do I do first? And what do I do if I, if I make a mistake or, or things aren't going correctly? So I, I like that a lot. Uh, Another thing I wanted to talk to you about kind of year end is investments. It's obviously something, a subject that so many people are very, very interested in. And this idea of of tax loss harvesting, I'm curious, you could talk to us a little bit about like, what does that mean? And why in the world would we want to do that? Yeah,
1: tax loss harvesting means that Essentially, you're taking a position in your investment portfolio that has lost money throughout the year and selling it to harvest that loss. So when you sell the position that has lost money, you can then use that loss to offset any gains. And it's something that some financial advisors will do for you. But if they're not, uh, make sure you're asking about it because It can be really beneficial in a year where we've had a lot of volatility and you've had positions um, within your portfolio take a steep decline and then maybe rebound and bounce back up. And now you have gains. And so being able to tactfully offset some of the gains so that you're not paying as much in taxes at year end, it can be really meaningful.
0: I like that. I like to offset gains.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to pay more taxes. So any little thing that we can do to try to help is is always a good thing.
0: Yeah. And I know you don't have obviously a crystal ball. And as a certified financial planner, your job is not to predict the future. But I'm wondering, are there any things happening in kind of this wild market we have right now that you think we need to keep our eye on? Yeah, it's It's a hard
1: one because a lot of what we're seeing right now is driven by, um, you know, headlines in the news. And sometimes that can be really unpredictable. So, my best advice, honestly, is have a diversified portfolio. Understand your time horizon, which goes back to those buckets. Is your money invested for, you know, something you're going to need in the next couple of years, or is it invested for? The long run, and if it is invested for the long run, like your retirement accounts, don't stress over the day-to-day headlines because ultimately it's not going to matter. Um, you know, we've seen an incredible run-up in the market over the last decade plus, and a lot of younger people who have just started investing they only know that upside and you know we have to imagine the pendulum is going to swing the other direction at some point but really we can't time the market and we can't time when any of this is going to happen so i would just say the really the best advice is just stay invested know your time horizon and try not to panic over the short-term stuff
0: Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news? Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time-consuming. I tried all of the apps. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. EarnIn does. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from earning? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earning a part of your financial routine and join Earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earning, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earning today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earning app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D.
0: Everyone knows that putting money aside and savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. You brought up this idea of diversified portfolio portfolio. So I, I ask almost every guest that comes on and we talk about investing because it still feels like something where a lot of people are are confused about what that means. So, in your words, what what does it mean to have a diversified portfolio?
1: Yeah, I mean, the easy way to to explain it is not having all your eggs in one basket, but um, what does that really mean? It's making sure that your money is allocated, across a variety of different investment um, avenues. And so just to give some examples, you can have money broadly within stocks, bonds, or cash. And then, and that's diversifying. So if you had all of your money in stocks and the stock market went down, all of your money is gonna go down. If you have all of your money in bonds, which is much more conservative way of investing, you may not be able to capture the growth when the market is doing well so we start with diversifying by using those three very broad asset classes and then drill down from there and you can get very granular in terms of diversification so within the basket that has your stocks or your your growth portion of your portfolio you can drill down to you know Tech stocks or um, healthcare. And you want to have a little bit in all of the different categories, also a little bit in regions. So, not all US, not all international, but a little bit in both. And so, those are different ways that you can diversify. And the more you have spread out into different areas, generally the better off you are because if one particular area does very poorly, it's likely that the other areas you're invested in are going to be doing well and vice versa. So if you had all of your money in tech stocks, well, while tech is booming, you're living the high life and you're doing great. But as soon as tech starts to take a dive, all your money is going with it. And so um, at any given moment, one area is doing well and another's not. And you can mitigate uh, your losses by spreading it out.
0: And is that something that working with a CFP like yourself, something that you help people figure out how to do that and and what is best for their risk tolerance and and their goals? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I work with a client and
1: we go through their financial plan, I always analyze their current investments as part of the process and then provide recommendations on how they can better diversify their portfolio. Um, And it does definitely take into consideration personal risk tolerance because some people just can't sleep at night, um, knowing that the market is going to jump all over the place and that's going to really dictate what you're invested in versus someone that, you know, maybe is a little bit riskier and and they're okay with some of those short term fluctuations, we can choose different investments. So it gets very personal and very specific. And I definitely help all of our clients figure that out because doing the research on your own can be very overwhelming.
2: (laughs) Yes,
0: exclamation point. (laughs) Just curious, where did your love for for helping people with their money, where did that come from? I know, that's a funny question.
1: I feel like I've always been that person that like saved every bit of my babysitting money and, (laughs) um, you know, never opened my piggy bank. Um, And I I watched, you know, my parents um, go through some ebbs and flows with their own finances. And I think that I just... Um, I developed a love for wanting to help people because it's not something that comes natural to a lot of people. We don't have classes typically in school that teach us about money, and then all of a sudden we're out in the work world and don't really know what to do with it. And I realized that this is real. There's really a need for financial education.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah, and so I would imagine I'm I'm a fellow CFP myself, and what I loved about learning about money is that you can then utilize it in in your own life and it's not that you're going to do everything perfectly because i'm the first person to stand up here and say hello money expert have not done everything perfectly but that you have kind of this expertise you can carry with you i think that's that's like a really cool thing and and listening to shows like this and and meeting with people like yourself you just get this knowledge that like you're saying you you don't get anywhere else yeah it's so true and it's
1: it is tangible knowledge because money affects all of us so you don't it doesn't matter how much you make or where you came from money affects all of us in some capacity and so it is it's really valuable knowledge to have
0: so going back to thinking about the end of the year For those of us who who work in a a company, we may have uh, benefits or maybe we want to maximize year-end contributions. Like, What steps do you think we should take to make sure we really take advantage of everything that we've got before the year-end?
1: Yeah, I think um, there are a few key areas that you can take a look at. One is assessing um, whether you've fully funded your HSA or health savings account, if you have one. Um, because there are certain limits that you can contribute to each year. And you want to make sure that you have that maxed out before December 31st. And the other is your employer retirement plan. So again, maybe at the beginning of the year or when you first started with the company, you set a certain percentage to defer into your 401k or retirement plan and then just sort of forgot about it from there. Um, I think this is a good time of year to assess, are you maxing that out? You know, how much are you actually contributing each year? And if you're someone who has changed jobs mid-year, you might have multiple retirement plans that you've been contributing to. So I think just taking a look at what you've contributed, making sure you're taking advantage of maxing out the most that you can. And then another one that, you know, we don't always typically think about is, um, satisfying required minimum distributions. This is something that is associated often with retirees, but I have several young clients who have inherited a retirement account from a relative and those come with minimum distribution requirements that you have to satisfy, even if you yourself are far from retirement. So um, those are just a few things that I think are important to look at this time of year and make sure that you're really taking advantage of.
0: And you mentioned inheriting money. I've actually gotten a few questions from listeners lately about inheriting money in the last couple of years and just not having any idea of, of what to do about it. Do you have any thoughts on how to even think through what you should do with inherited money, whether you have taxes associated with it? I mean, I know there are so many, so many X factors and, and asterisk marks, but just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's, it is one
1: where all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation and, um, it's great to have extra money, but there's a lot that goes along with that. I think working with a financial professional is a good first step and, um, you know, maybe even coordinating with a financial advisor and a CPA, depending on the situation. But, um, retirement accounts that you inherit can be particularly tricky. And knowing all the ins and outs of it, it's not something that I would want to navigate on my own, um, if I wasn't a CFP. So I would say just get get a professional involved and help you with that process.
0: Very good advice. I love that. And you are also a wealth management specialist. I mean, it just sounds really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody always wants to know, like, what are the secrets? So of, of all the people you worked with, what do you think are some of the, the core secrets or strategies, I guess, to actually building wealth?
1: Yeah, it's not flashy. I'm going to tell you that right up front. <laughs> <laughs> Save more and spend less. That's the honest truth. Um, the amount of money that you can start saving has such a compounding effect on your wealth overall that it's, it's just really mind blowing. Um, And the younger you are and the younger you can start saving, you have something really amazing on your side, which is time because it's very difficult to wake up in your fifties and realize you haven't saved enough because now you just don't have as much time. And Um, If you can save a hundred bucks a month or 500 bucks a month, it's a lot easier than trying to make up, you know, five, now I have to put $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month aside just to, to make ends meet just to have enough in my retirement bucket. So um, that's really the big
0: secret. I love it. A secret that's not really a secret, but we all just kind of want to glaze over it because you're right. It doesn't sound sexy. And what if we're in a situation where either, either this year or maybe, you know, starting out next year, we're going through some sort of life change, maybe getting married or having a baby or starting a business, something, something big, should we be just reassessing our money kind of all the way around or what should we be focusing on? Absolutely. I mean, life changes all the time. And what you know, you
1: might be doing right now financially isn't necessarily going to work for you next year or five years from now. So anytime there are big changes on the horizon, definitely take a look at your finances and assess, um, you know, with a marriage, you're joining assets together a lot of the time. And that's, that's a time to have a conversation about how do you want to handle things now that you're going to be sort of combining and mixing, Um, debts and accounts and saving strategies and even goals. Because I've met with a lot of couples and we get to the section of our financial planning where we're talking about goals and they look at each other and say, I have no idea. I've never thought about that. And so you want to be on the same page in terms of where you're going in the future. If you're expecting a new baby, that's going to bring a lot of additional expenses. So make sure that you have that savings um, cash cushion built up, make sure that you have flexibility in your budget to absorb some of those added expenses, look at your benefits through work and make sure that you um, know what your health health insurance is going to cover. So there's a lot that you can do to prepare for um, for big milestones.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's somebody just dying to know this. So tell me a little bit about what is the process when somebody hires someone like yourself as a certified financial planner to help them with their money? Because I, there's always this fear, right? Of of somebody's looking in on my finances. They're making judgments. Uh, maybe I feel shame or anxiety and maybe so I'm nervous to do this process. So what does it look like to actually work with a financial planner? Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there because um, the first thing I will tell
1: a new client is this is a no judgment zone because I do hear that a lot. A lot of people come to us and say, I know I need help, but I'm scared. You know, I'm scared to actually peel back the curtain and look at what is going on in my life, um, or I'm scared to see how far off track I am. And so, I do tell people up front, you know, this is a no judgment zone because you're coming to me to, you know, to go through this process. That is a big step in and of itself. And um, what the process actually looks like in a nutshell is that we start with a budget. We look at their expenses, look at everything that you're spending. And that's usually the part that people are most afraid of. Um, But from there, we collect statements. Um, from all of their investment accounts, we collect their pay stub, we get documents from their employer benefits. and then we start combing through all of that information and providing recommendations for here's what you have, here's what you're doing currently, sort of a snapshot of your current picture. And then here's what you could be doing differently to sort of set yourself up a little bit more successfully in the future.
0: I like that no judgment zone. That's sort of the rule of this show as well. <laughs> uh okay, I want to I want to create kind of a maybe an actionable checklist if you will for everyone. We've talked about so many different things, but what do you think are maybe the top, I don't know, two or three important year-end money steps that we need to start taking right now?
1: Yeah, well, if I have not said this word enough um during this session, start with a budget. That's one of my favorites. Um, so definitely budget would be the top of the checklist. Automate some sort of savings. So if you're doing it already, great. If you're not, you know, pick a number, put something into savings, just start start the process. And, um, and then look at your retirement plans at work and make sure that you're maxing those out. I think that's really important because um, if you have a match, you know, through your retirement plan, that's free money, you want to make sure you're taking advantage of that. A lot of the benefits offered through work you can't get outside of your employer. So I would definitely say that's um, top of the list as well.
0: All right, Autumn, you have us in check now for for your end, we're feeling good about our money. (laughs) Tell everyone where they can go to find you and connect with you. Yes, um, you can email me
1: autumn at druckerwealth.com. Or um, head on over to our website, druckerwealth.com, and I would be happy to book a quick intro visit. We can just chit chat about your situation and um, see
0: where we go from there and what
1: we can do to help.
0: I know, at least for me, the end of the year is sometimes a time when I'm very careless with my money, where I just spend. I'm not focused on my goals. I'm not thinking about anything other than spending money. Sometimes the just all of the sale ads and the emails just seem to be flying at me. And it's almost like I I lose my sense of self and I become super irrational. But this conversation with Autumn, it really reminded me to be intentional and purposeful and that the year end can be a wonderful time to review everything that's going on with your money and and help you get really set up so that when you roll into the new year, it's, it's almost like you don't have to think about things. They're just, they're automated. They're already happening. They're already moving in those money buckets like Autumn talked about. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with friends, family members, anyone who you know needs to get a little ahead of the game this year end. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to the episode guest, as well as all of our amazing episode sponsors who make this podcast possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you.
2: Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.